0: A good video. I don't know where you found that one, but that was powerful. Um, good things are happening in our church. I want to thank uh, publicly the Journey class who came in uh, this past Monday and fed the staff ice cream. And uh, ice cream is always a good thing. Uh, Linda, I don't know. There's Linda. Uh, uh, she asked me, she "said Would the ice cream social be all right?" I said, "When is ice cream? Never, not all right." <laughs> And uh, I was introduced to a new flavor of mango sherbet that was just out of this world. And so thank you for that. And uh, Adults on Mission, uh, uh, we'll be sharing a little bit about that at our lunch today. You're going to uh, hear some good stuff for that. And I hope you're planning to come over and eat with us. We've got some beautiful sandwiches and salads and some shrimp cocktail and bottled water. I kept it easy on the drinks. We're just doing bottled water. Uh, but uh, and some desserts there so come over afterwards and enjoy a time of fellowship together as we send these young people off to Arlington uh, we're very proud of you guys for what you're going to be doing this week we're proud of you regardless of what you're doing this week but we're just grateful uh, I got to go last year to uh, spend a couple days at Mission Arlington and I'm sure Jonathan will share a little bit about what they're doing uh, but it's a great thing and uh uh, I went last year because they went to a baseball game, but they didn't go to a baseball game this year, so I didn't go. Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, it, it will be a wonderful time. They will uh, be blessed, and uh, the folks in Arlington and this community there will be blessed also. Uh, uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 13 here in just a moment, uh, looking at some of the the what, what is really the first ever uh, organized missions endeavor now the the, the disciples had been going all over preaching the gospel but this is the first concerted effort where the church said we're going to send these people out and uh you uh, young people that are going to be leaving today to go to arlington how many of you this will be your first mission trip all right we got a couple we got three all right so probably there are some nerves there as uh, what you would expect uh we're going to be praying for you and we're going to pray for those to whom you will be going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Acts 13, before we get there, let me give a little background as to what's going on uh, before they sent these men out from Antioch. After Saul's conversion to Christ on the road to Damascus, he began to immediately preach Christ in the synagogues that he was uh, the Lord. And uh, the Jews there in that area sought to kill him for this. And so the disciples took Saul or Paul by night and put him in a basket and let him down over the wall of the city, uh, to, um, to help him escape. And he went back to Jerusalem and tried to join himself to the church there in Jerusalem, but they weren't having it. (laughs) They said, no, we know you. We know what you've done. And they just didn't believe that he had changed. Well, um, listen. Uh, Barnabas came alongside of him and and spoke up for him and told them how that Paul had seen the risen Lord in the road to Damascus and how he had preached boldly in the name of Christ and assured them that this man certainly has been converted. You know, when you come to Christ, it changes your life. You know, if, if there's no change, you have to question, did you really come to Christ? Because when Jesus Christ comes into your life, he changes you. Well, there in Jerusalem, some of the Jews in Jerusalem then sought to kill Paul there. I'm sure he's thinking, you know, I, I thought coming to Jesus was going to make my life better. They've tried to kill him twice now. And so the disciples there escorted Paul out of Jerusalem, down to Caesarea, and then from there even further south to Tarsus, which is where he was from. Now, while Saul was in Tarsus, the followers of Christ in Jerusalem were displaced because of the great persecution that was going on there and of course Saul was part of that before he became a Christian and as they um, left Jerusalem they spread out all over the, the place preaching the gospel everywhere they went and uh, they got as far south as Antioch and there in Antioch they began to preach the gospel and some of the disciples began ministering to the gospel to these Grecians or Hellenistic Jews they were Jewish uh, by birth but they were raised in grecian society so they they weren't raised as hebrews they were raised as greeks and a great number of them turned to the faith and there was a mass conversions there in antioch and when uh the church at jerusalem heard about this they sent barnabas down to antioch to see what's going on down there And so he went down and he saw what was happening and the Bible says he was just overjoyed and he decided I'm going to go get Saul down in Tarsus and bring him back here to Antioch and he did that and for a full year they taught and preached the word of God in and around Antioch and that church just burgeoned and grew. This is the first time in history the Bible tells us that the followers of Jesus were called Christians. It's where the name started. And we think of the word Christian today, and it's pretty common, but nobody back then was called a Christian. And they were called that. And it wasn't to to, to, to say something good about them. It was to say, oh, you're followers of that Christ, the one who was crucified on a cross. So the church at Antioch, uh, there, they determined that they were going to send relief back to Jerusalem. So Paul and Barnabas went up to Jerusalem to help out there and, and uh, take some offerings up to them. And then came back from Jerusalem, back to Antioch. And they had a young man with them by the name of John Mark. You'd know him if you open your Bible to the second gospel in the Bible, the gospel according to Mark. He's the one who wrote that gospel. And so uh, that brings us here to Acts chapter 13, where John Mark and Saul and Barnabas are back in Antioch. So would you stand with me as we read Acts chapter 13 and the first five verses... It says, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menachem, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they had when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. Father, bless your word. We thank you for it. Help us now as Jonathan and I bring uh, this message on the heart of missions, and I pray God that you'll help each one of us to capture uh, your heart for a lost world we pray in jesus name amen god bless you You may be seated they're here at this church in antioch and it's a very diverse group of people with diverse gifts it talks about here these pastors or these prophets and teachers gifted uh, by god to build up and equip the church Uh, barnabas simeon called niger lucius Menachem, and saul and they ministered to the Lord. That's an interesting phrase there as they're serving the church here in Antioch and teaching the word of God to the people and proclaiming the gospel to the folks there in Antioch. Uh, the Holy Spirit says they're ministering to the Lord. We can never forget that we need to always keep in mind that what we're doing as we serve, it's for the Lord. And so uh, while they're serving here, God calls uh, and uh, Paul and Barnabas and says to the church, separate them for the work Whereunto I've called them. And notice here, God always seems to call the ones that are busy. You know, the ones that are doing something. If you want God to use you, get busy doing something. And God will take those that are busy serving and give them more to do. Um, And some of us say, well, wow, I'd like to have less to do. But God always operates that way. Now, there are people here today. It says here that they fasted. Uh, To fast means to go without food. There are people in this room who have spent time the last few weeks fasting. They've given up a meal and spent that time that they would be eating to pray for you on this missions trip. And the Holy Spirit here says, uh, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work. You're going to go up to um, Arlington and it's going to be work. Now, you're going to have a fun time. You're going to have a good time. But it's going to be work and it says, as they fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them forth. Um, and they departed and went to Seleucia. And from thence they went to Cyprus. Notice that phrase, they're sent forth. God is a missionary God. God doesn't want us sitting still in the same spot. He wants us going. He told Abraham, leave Ur of the Chaldees and go. He said, Jesus said to his disciples, as the Father has sent me even so, send I you. You know, Jesus left heaven to come to earth to do his work. Uh, someone said God had only one son and he made him a missionary. And that's the truth. And so if we're going to follow Christ, we're going to go to people where they are. My prayer for you this week is that one of you, maybe not this week, but sometime in your lifetime, I'm praying that one of you. Will respond to the call to be a missionary. That God will put his hand on you and say. Separate this one for me. I want this one. To give their life. To make their career. A career of missions. I'm looking over here at several career missionaries. at This far left table. They're sitting over there. I, I, th- I thought they were going to do the amen corner. But no it's because it's warmer there. Than it is anywhere else in the room. Uh. But a lifelong service as a missionary is a wonderful and blessed thing to do if God calls you. We need to go from sitting to sending. If all we do is listen and learn, but rarely ne- or never go and proclaim, we become spiritually obese, eating but not exercising. God may never call you to be a career missionary, but he's called every one of us to go with the gospel to those around us. We are not just a local church with a missions program. We're a global church with a missions purpose. That is why we exist. Oswald J. Smith said this, We talk of the second coming of Christ while half the world has never heard of the first convicting words listen sometimes i love to sit in in church and listen and learn i love to go to bible studies but that's all about here we need to go there the mission isn't in here the mission is out there they left and they went and it says in verse 5 they preached the word of god you're going to be sent today to preach the word of god in arlington texas now you're going to have Fun. If you've been on a mission trip, some of you have, you know you're going to have a fun time. Uh, Jonathan's not, but y'all are going to have a fun time. Because <laughs> he's got responsibilities. All right. But uh, you're going to have fun. And you're going to enjoy spending time together. You're going to make wonderful memories. You're going to probably make some new friends. And you will experience new things. But most important of all... You will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the folks in Arlington. You're going to, we're commissioning you to go and tell Arlington about Jesus. Now, the Apostle Paul was all about that. He spent his life, his saved life, going and telling people about Jesus. Always looking for ways to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, he wrote a letter to the folks in Rome. And he said, I'm coming to see you. I want to preach the gospel there. And I also want to go beyond you to the people of Spain. Jonathan's going to come and share with us a little bit about Paul's heart from this letter. His mission's heart to the Romans and his great desire to preach the gospel.
1: Here we go. In case you didn't know, our lineup for this morning was a tag team approach. So that was any of you uh, wrestling fans you know that a tag team, in order for one to actually come back in, you have to tag, tag in, tag out. And if you can't get up off the floor in order to tag your partner's hand, it's all on you. So I'm thankful that I was able to get up here and that Brett was able to come down so that we could actually tag and in a little bit, I'm going to tag him back in, so I don't want you sleeping over there, Brett. <laughs> um, so to, to go off of what Brett's saying and to continue on this theme of, of sharing the gospel, being missionaries, wherever it is that we are, wherever it is that we go, uh, Paul elaborates on this a little more in the book of Romans in his letter to the church in Rome. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 1 in just a moment as we focus on this idea of being under obligation under obligation. Anybody in here ever been to the doctor? Yeah, I I think, I, I know at one point all of us have been around a doctor because how else... Will you come into this world, right? (laughs) I know there are home births and those kinds of things, but eventually at some point you consult the doctor for one reason or another. I was talking with the students this morning about what Jesus said in Luke 5 about the the healthy people, they don't need a a physician. They don't have a, a need to go see a doctor. But the ones who are sick, they do. And we realize our spiritual depravity, and so we seek the great physician but here on this earth, God has blessed us with doctors and nurses and all kinds of medical personnel to be his hands and feet, to be his methods of healing in this world. My brother's a doctor, and I know many other doctors and nurses in my family and beyond. Uh, but we go to a doctor because something's ailing us. We're, we're sick. We've got some symptoms. We've got something going on. We don't know what's happening. We just keep throwing up or we just can't. Stop whatever's happening, some pain, some ailment. So we go to the doctor. And what does the doctor say? Hey, what's bothering you today? Well, I've been having headaches. Or I've you know, been throwing up. or Whatever the symptom is, whatever the ailment is. And the doctor will listen to what you say. And then he or she will take that, that information and say, all right, well, it's not that, it's not that. I can rule that out. It's not that. Um, okay. And then they give you the diagnosis. But imagine for a moment if the doctor goes back to their office and they sit there and they say, all right, well, Jonathan has this symptom, this symptom. All right, this one's an easy one. He, he's got the flu. It's pretty evident that I'm going to need, need to prescribe him some medicine so that he can get over this in three or four or five days or however long it takes for the medicine to be effective. But imagine if that doctor sat in his or her office and said, I don't really have to tell him about this. Maybe he'd just rather not know. Maybe this information is not really that important to him because it might just bring his whole day down. It might just make his life that much harder. It might really force him to think about a lot of things concerning his physical well-being. In fact, not only does the doctor have a moral, in a sense, obligation to share that news with you, but a legal obligation to treat you effectively. When doctors... Are sworn in, they swear an oath, the Hippocratic oath, and they essentially say, I'm going to treat each patient as best as I possibly can. To the best of my abilities, to the best of modern medicine, the best way possible. And so for that doctor to sit in his or her office and say, I don't need to share this information with them. That actually kind of sounds ludicrous. It, it sounds almost like insanity. Like, wow, why why would a doctor ever do this? Your job is literally to heal people. And you have the medicine to do it in most cases, in a lot of cases. But to not do it, it seems a little quizzical. So keep that in the forefront of your mind as we read in Romans chapter 1 this morning, beginning in verse 14. We'll just read a few verses there. Romans one fourteen, and Paul says to the church in Rome, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the first thing Paul says here is, I am under obligation. And when I see that word, my first thought is, to whom? And notice that, yes, we have an obligation to God, Because as Christ's followers, that was the commission that he gave us, was to go and make disciples. But he's saying here that we have an obligation to the world. Now, Paul, as the apostle, specifically to the Gentiles, which is basically everyone outside of the Jewish race, he's saying here, man, I, I don't just feel called to preach to these people. I don't just feel called to tell these people the gospel. I'm under an obligation to tell these people the good news. Essentially to the entire human race, as he says in a little bit we're gonna or as he just said, that word everyone. That is what it is. I had a seminary professor tell me one time, you can say the word everyone or the word all, it's kind of the same word in the Greek. He said it's every cotton stinking picking person in the whole world. <laughs> right? There's not a select few or, or just people who live up to the right standards, or every one. And until we've reached everyone, our job is not done. And that's what Paul's saying here, is uh, I feel obligated. I'm under a sense of obligation to share the gospel with everyone I come in contact with. Now, why did he say obligated? Why didn't he just say, oh, I feel compelled to do this? Or someone once persuaded me that, that this is a good idea, that, that maybe it, it might be helpful as I go about my life. None, all of those don't really capture the idea of obligation. And he's eager, he says, I'm ready to share the good news. Not only obligated, there are things that we're obligated to do that we don't really want to do. Right? But Paul says, because of this obligation, because of this indebtedness is another w- way to think about it. He said, I am a debtor to these people. D E B T O R. I'm also ready. I'm eager. I can't wait to share this news with who? Everyone, as you might have well guessed. You see, his sense of obligation produced an eagerness. It's a process. It's a flow to evangelize the world. And he says here specifically even to Rome, which was the capital of the empire at that time. The Greeks, barbarians, Jews, Romans, everyone. Third, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Notice he didn't say, do not be ashamed of sharing the gospel. He said, do not be ashamed of the gospel. See, the gospel is not just something we share or tell other people. It's a lifestyle. It's something that we live. And then sharing the gospel is a product of who we are. We should be talking more about living the gospel than sharing the gospel. Because as he's saying here is, people who live the gospel are obligated to share the gospel. And they're certainly not ashamed of it. And they're always ready to share it. This is God's remedy for mankind's spiritual need. Just like that doctor who has the diagnosis and prescribes a treatment or a remedy for whatever disease or ailment that comes along. This is our remedy for sin, for mankind's spiritual depravity or sickness. And for terminal diagnosis, if I was a doctor, I'd have a hard time sharing that news. I know many of you may have received that kind of a diagnosis or have a family member or a friend or someone in your life who's received that terminal diagnosis. And I can imagine as a doctor going back to my office and thinking how am I going to tell this? Because I know there are treatments we can provide. I know there are things we can do to maybe help life be a little more manageable, but there's not a cure-all for this. I wouldn't be eager to share that news. I wouldn't just be up and ready, get down to my desk chair, ready to share that news. But with the gospel... It is a cure-all. It is a remedy for the most terminal disease we could ever have. And that's sin, separation from God. As Paul says later in the book of Romans, chapter 6, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In other words, here's your terminal diagnosis, and then Jesus says, here's your cure. Here's your remedy. Not ashamed of the gospel. It's a very simple word in the Greek. It's a combination of two different words. The Greek word eu, it just means good. And then the Greek word angelon or angelos, which if you heard that you might have thought, oh, that sounds like angel, messenger. Message is another way to say it. So the word evangelize or euangelion in the Greek is good message, or you might have heard it as good news. But I like the imagery that comes with that word, even before it was used to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. This this word was in existence long before that in the Greek language. And it has this idea of soldiers who had just won a battle. And they come back home to whatever city or town they're in, and they're just parading through the streets, declaring victory. Hey guys, come on out. Open your doors. We won. We won. Whatever enemy we were fighting, we defeated We won. You no longer have to be in fear. You no longer have to worry about these people invading our city or our town. We won. We're declaring victory. Notice the eagerness in that. Notice that they weren't ashamed of their victory. In fact, they wanted to parade around almost flaunting it to the city or town that they were a part of, that they were fighting for So the gospel proclaims victory forevermore, not just for this battle or this battle or this fight, for all things for all time, over sin, over death. This is great news. It's good news as the word itself contains that message. And I wondered, why would Paul think to include, don't be ashamed of this? Like a doctor treating a terminal disease saying, You have something and it could be three or four days or months or years and then that's it. But imagine if that doctor knew without a doubt, this is the cure though. It may look bleak now. It may look bad now, but this will heal you. That's what Jesus says. That's what Paul is saying here is we're under obligation. We should be eager and ready to share this with people. And never, ever be ashamed. Church, I want to encourage you this morning. Students, especially, going on the mission trip. There are some that are going that aren't here yet. I hope they are here by 2 Um, p.m. This is going to be a hard week. It's going to be hot. We're going to get tired. Might get on each other's nerves a little bit. Um, But one thing I always try to think of, especially when life's kind of coming against me, is like, what's my focus? What's my mission here? What am I trying to accomplish? We're obligated. Therefore, we should be eager and never, ever ashamed. There are little kids in an apartment complex in Arlington, Texas right now who God is preparing in their hearts to hear the Gospel. Their families may hear these, this Gospel as a result of us telling these kids. There are people who work at Mission Arlington tirelessly each and every day to help make sure that these people hear about Jesus Christ, that they have clothes and water and food and supplies and resources that they need. We're going to tag along with them. We're going to serve alongside them and just say, hey, whatever you need, we're going to do it. But just remember, guys, at some point in your life, for all of us, someone or some people took the time to share the gospel with you, to make it a point to be, to feel obligated, they're eager And they were not ashamed to share the gospel. And that's why we have it. That's why we can declare victory in our lives this moment. My prayer is that the cities and the towns and the streets of people's hearts that we come in contact with, that they would notice and hear and say, I want to be a part of that too. That's my prayer for us this week as Brett comes back up in just a second. Uh, I just want to encourage you in that. Church, I want to encourage you. I really appreciate your prayers. I know that you will continue praying for us this week. I uh, appreciate the, those who have given uh, financially to help support this trip. Uh, some kids may not be able to go without that. And we know that there are kids in Arlington who need to hear from each and every one of these. And those who aren't here who are going. Uh, so, Brett, as you come and finish, just pray that you continue to listen to the word of the Lord this morning.
0: Thank you, Jonathan. That's wonderful. Now, following up with what he had to say there, we're under obligation. We owe a debt. If you've received Christ as your Savior, uh, and I have, I, I cannot but tell others what was told to me. And we're eager. We're ready. We're anxious. We're prepared to go and share that good news. And how could we be ashamed? Listen. Listen. Um, Sharing the gospel eagerly, uh, unashamedly only makes sense when you consider what the gospel is. It's that Christ, the son of God, died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures to save us from our sins. The Bible tells us, Paul says in Romans 13, owe no man anything but to love one another. He said, we owe love. To our fellow man and the greatest love ever is demonstrated in the gospel that christ died for our sins and rose from the dead we owe that love we're eager to show that love and we're not ashamed of that love and listen only god can do the work of salvation for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god not of works lest any man should boast And only God can save someone, yet He uses us in His plan of salvation. Go to Romans chapter 10 with me. We're going to look at some verse here in Romans 10 as we close our message. And walk through the steps that Paul lays out here in God's plan of salvation. on How a sinner comes to Christ and receives forgiveness of their sins and is, as we say, saved. Look at Romans chapter 10 and verse number 1. Paul writes, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Say that word with me. Saved. Paul says, my heart's desire. This is what I want. And this is what I pray for. For my fellow Israelites, my fellow Jewish people to be saved and he says in verse number 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be, say it with me, saved. So there's the goal. There's the purpose. That's what we want. Paul says, my heart's desire is for them to be saved. And so how do we get from that desire to the fact of a person being saved? Well, that desire is a passion. It's, it's the heart. And listen, it doesn't start with you. Paul says here, "My heart's desire for Israel is that they might be saved." Was that his desire when he was on the road to Damascus? Was that his desire that that that, that, to, to, that Israel would be saved? No, he wanted these people dead. And he says, "My heart's desire now is for them to come to Christ and be saved." What happened? He changed. The desire for salvation doesn't start in my heart. It starts in God's heart. And it's only in your heart in my heart as He puts it there by His Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that's given to us. When you come to Christ and you receive Him as your Savior, God plants in your heart His passion, His heart. For the salvation of your family, your friends, your neighbors, and even your enemies. So the desire starts with God. It's put in you by the Holy Spirit. And then the evidence of that is you begin to pray. And you ask God for the salvation of your friends and your family and your neighbors. And you are praying for folks to become believers. Now then, look down at uh, verse number 14. He says, if they're going to be saved, let me just walk it here. We'll start right over here. I don't want to get outside the the camera. So uh, am I in the camera here? Are we good? All right. It starts with a desire. That desire comes from God. It's placed in your heart. And then you pray. You pray for folks to be saved. Salvation is over here on this end. So how do we get from here to there? Well, look at verse 14. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? In order to be saved, they have to call on the name of the Lord. But they're not going to call on the name of the Lord if they don't believe in the Lord. And then he says, how shall they believe without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? So let's walk through this. You've got a desire to be saved of salvation. You pray, you're sent, you preach, they hear, they believe, they call, God saves. Those are the steps. And it started with God, and it ends with God. Salvation is all of God. He wants you and me to be saved. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 2, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, who will have all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. Second Peter, Peter wrote and said, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the desire starts with God. It's placed in your heart. Do you want folks in Arlington to be saved this week? Are you praying for them? Do you want folks in Georgetown to be saved? Are you praying for them? Do you want folks to be saved the world over? Are you praying for your missionaries? Because you may not can go to Africa or to South America. But pray the Lord of the harvest, Jesus said, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. You know what He did with those disciples right after He told them to pray for laborers? You know what He did? He sent them. We have to pray and we have to be willing to go. And sometimes it's not going to Arlington. And sometimes it's not going to Africa or South America or or Southeast Asia. Sometimes it's as simple as walking across the street. Or to a room in your house. God's desire is for the world to be saved. This verse here in in verse 14, on the uh, 7th of March, 1980, I read that verse for the very first time in my life. And God used this passage to call me into full-time ministry. I had just prayed for my friends. I had just asked God to save them. They were two Jehovah's Witness friends I had in high school. And I had been witnessing to them. And I was on my knees praying, asking God for them to be saved. And I was reading Romans 10. I got up off my knees and finished the chapter. And I read where it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I stopped again and got on my knees and prayed for Jeff and Georgie. And I asked God to save them. And then I got up and finished the passage. It says, How shall they believe in whom... Uh, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And God used that passage to call me into the preaching ministry. Now, the word preacher there doesn't mean a full-time pastor or evangelist. It simply means a herald. One who will publicly proclaim the news. Will you do that this week? Will you be unashamed and ready and eager to share with those folks in that apartment community or those apartment communities that you go to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ? I was seven years old when I got saved. Some of you may have been even younger than that. So you know that these children that you're talking to, could be ready to receive god's word we're going to ask the church to come and jonathan if you will gather right here to the left of this platform and we're going to invite you young people if you'll come and stand with jonathan jonathan you've got a mic but i'm going to give you just in case any of them want to say something i'm going to give you a mic here forward and gather around these young people and pray for them but right now what i'd like to do is ask uh, jonathan to introduce this team to you and then if they want to share a specific prayer request i'm going to ask you how many of you will pray for these young people this week all right so listen closely to their requests and i want you to pray for them and i want you to pray for the people to whom they're going to minister jonathan
1: all right does anybody have any specific requests they want to mention this morning? Yeah, I don't want to talk. To
0: that um, I would be able to witness to a couple kids and that they accept Christ.
1: Amen. Anybody else? All right, they're getting shy and that's okay. Uh, this morning I asked them for any specific requests and and they gave me s- several and some that they didn't want mentioned, but I know there's probably a few nerves, some anxiety, maybe a little bit of worry. Because this is a hard thing. It's hard to talk to people about the gospel. It's hard confronting people with truth because we know what truth does. Uh, it, it intersects us in our life. at, Hey, are we doing right or wrong? And how do we need to correct that? Um, so that's our opportunity this week. It may just be... The heat index of the high 90s every day or be, traveling away from home maybe for the first time. There are a lot of emotions and feelings, I'm sure, welling up inside you guys. Uh, just, just know that I'm praying for you. Brett's praying for you. Every single person in every single chair out there is praying for you. And others who aren't here this morning. I promise you they're praying for you and have been praying for you. Um, so I'll, I'll let you.
0: All right. Well, what I'd like to do at this time is ask everyone to stand. And if you would, I would ask you to come and join us here at the front and gather around these young people as we pray for them and ask God to bless them on this trip to Arlington and the work that they're going to be doing. So go ahead and come and gather around these young people. You can ask them their name if you want, so you can pray for them by name this week. And uh, don't be scared. These folks don't bite. Uh, but yeah, that's good. Just keep coming, keep coming. Let's get together as a church here and pray for our young people and pray specifically that God protects them on the way up and back. They have a safe and uneventful journey, that they'll enjoy the time, and most importantly, they will have success in sharing the gospel of Jesus with the folks there in Arlington um, I'm going to lead out in prayer. And then, Jonathan, if you would close for us. And as we pray out loud, if you guys would just join us uh, in your hearts and pray for this uh, missions team. Father, thank you for these young people who are willing to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the folks there in Arlington. We pray that you would give them a safe trip up and back. We pray that you keep them safe the entire time they're there. That there be no mishaps or anything that's uh, um, going to hinder your work. In particular, I pray for Jonathan and Abby and the adults that are that, that will be going. Lord, that uh, you'll give them wisdom as they direct and lead and guide. I pray for all the other churches and people who will be involved in this uh, work this week. That your Holy Spirit would fill them all and use them, Lord, to bring the gospel to the apartment communities there in Arlington. Lift up Jesus through their words and through their actions. And Lord, may people in Arlington be drawn to you. Not only children, but parents and grandparents. And Lord, may uh, we see a great uh, harvest of people coming to faith in Christ. I pray that uh, for any of these young people that may have some anxieties uh, about sharing Christ publicly or whatever may be... um, in their heart, Lord, I just pray that you would give them your assurance that you're with them. You'll never leave them nor forsake them. You're with them throughout their life. And especially this week, Lord, as they proclaim your word, your blessings be upon them, we pray in Jesus' name.
1: Father, God, just to echo my brother Brett, and I just ask God that you would just give us strength and wisdom. That as we go and as we're sent all in the same, God, that we'll r- realize that it's not about us. Uh, we may be there, we may be present, but it's you that's doing the work. It's your power that's flowing through us. It's the good news of Jesus Christ, of not Christians, not the church, of Jesus Christ. Help us to not forget that. May that be ever present in our minds and in our speech as we communicate to those around us. At apartment complexes, to each other, at Mission Arlington, and anybody else we would come in contact with. Um, God, may this not just be a goal for this week, Amen. but it may, may it be a life goal. Yes. Uh, this is who you've called us to be. Uh, there's no such thing as a short-term mission trip. Our lives are a mission trip. Amen. God, I pray that this may be a spark for some here. That maybe they would sense a calling to ministry or to missions or or just to be... Uh, more of a, a gospel sharer in their own lives, in their own spirit of influence. I pray that our group would grow closer together as we grow closer to you, but most of all that there would be children and teenagers and, and adults who maybe for the first time and maybe the only time in their lives hear the gospel presented in a way where they realize that they are not living in the victory and that they can be, that they need to be. Pray that you would just get our, get ourselves out of the way so that you can be seen. Pray you keep us safe, keep us hydrated, and just give us the wisdom and discernment in all things as we know there will be times where we have to be flexible, we'll have to adjust. May we keep our eyes focused on you. Thank you for this opportunity. We know not many people get this opportunity. Thank you for this church as as they send us today. Thank you for their prayers, for their fasting. And I pray that all that has been honoring and glorifying to you, and that our efforts would do the same this week. We love you, Father. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.